0: This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME. I'm Katrina Sedgwick. I'm the director here. And uh, today's a, a really great opportunity to kind of have a conversation about... Uh, what we're doing, and in particular what uh, Julia Kagansky is doing over at, uh, at New Inc. in the New Museum uh, in New York. Um, it's just been a wonderful piece of sort of opportunistic timing that you're on this side of the world uh, over in New Zealand and able to pop over and, and visit us. But. Um, uh, we're really excited about uh, New Ink at the New Museum and indeed it was a, a bit of an inspiration for us uh, as we started thinking 18 months ago, really, uh, about moving our office and establishing a co-working space at ACME. and um, uh, I had the opportunity to very quickly run through their space, I think, in May last year. I think I got to talk to you for about five seconds. Yeah. Um, but it was just fantastic to see what they did um, as a kind of real groundbreaker breaker in, in this new kind of philosophy, I suppose, behind uh, what a museum is in its community and how, what are new ways uh, that we can leverage this incredible asset uh, and engage uh, with the community in different ways. So the way we're going to run today is, um, I'm going to introduce Julia to you a little more formally, and then Julia's going to do a bit of a presentation about New Museum and New Inc. Um, so uh, without further ado, I'll <laughs> introduce uh, Julia. Julia. So, Julia's a a curator and an editor and a cultural producer, and um, I think we're increasingly going to see that word producer appearing uh, in the museum environment. That creative producer role is is so key, and her particular focus is on the intersection of art and technology. Um, She's currently the director of the new museum's art, technology and design incubator, New Inc., Um, but previously she was the global editor of the Creators Project, and I'm going to get you to talk a bit about that as well because I think that's got a lot of relevance um, to the conversation today. Um, that was an international arts initiative uh, set up by Vice and Intel um, and, and really ahead of its time um, dedicated to showcasing the ways that technology can enable creativity. So ha- how do we harness these tech tools uh, to enable new ways of making art and interaction? Julia is also the founder of the New York Times acclaimed arts tech was hashtag arts tech meetup. Um, And again, I'm really interested to hear you talk a little bit about that uh, as well. It's a monthly event series, which again explores this art and tech uh, intersection. And she was also the co-founder and curator of Blue Box Gallery, which is a pop-up gallery uh, dedicated to bringing new media art to a rotating host of uh, urban alternative uh, spaces. Um, She's really passionate about the opportunities that technology brings to the arts generally, and how not only to its kind of practice, to the making of work, but also to how, one, how audiences access and interact with that work. And that's, that's a, a really interesting kind of double definition of, of potential, isn't it? Um, so, Julia, please come to the podium and give us a bit of a, a
1: show and tell. Thank you so much for the kind introduction, Katrina, and uh, for hosting me, um, and thanks also to Seb. Um, it's been a really warm welcome here. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about New Inc., um, and uh, it's not very often that I get to talk about this project in a space that feels so familiar um, and resembles our program so closely in in a number of different ways. Um, So I'll I'll try and keep it brief because I think the conversation is going to be maybe the most rewarding aspect of of this uh, afternoon. So um, the new museum uh, situated here on the left, this blocky building, uh, was founded almost 40 years ago uh, in 1977. It's a contemporary art institution. It is not a collecting institution, um, but it was founded by a curator named Marsha Tucker um, who wanted to engage with contemporary art with artists who are making and working today. And uh, at the time, museums weren't really showing contemporary art, which is hard to believe today when everyone is just obsessed with it. Um, but it's been a kind of radical feeling. Future leaning experimental institution throughout its history because it's focused on the present and the future. Um, and because, you know, unlike many museums, it doesn't have a permanent collection to maintain, so it's always uh, glancing at what's coming next as opposed to what came before. Um, and in 2007, we moved into this beautiful building on the Bowery um, designed by the architect Sana. Um, it was our first permanent building after 30 years of a, a temporary spaces in the Soho area and the following year this building uh, with the circle around it came onto the market and the board of trustees felt that it was you know just very lucky um, that the building next door should come available and uh, we bought it Um, and then shortly after the recession happened so um, as you can imagine we didn't do a whole lot with it um, after acquiring it and um, I think Around uh, 2010, 2011, the museum uh, started really engaging with the city in a different way. I mean, of course, the recession really uh, created a financial crisis. Um, and in 2011, the museum started a festival called Idea City, which was looking at what is the future of cities, what is the role that culture can play in our cities. And I would argue that at this point, the museum started thinking of itself as a citizen and not just as, you know, a public. Servant Institution. Um, and I tell you all of this because I really think that these uh, ideas informed um, New Inc. eventually. So we launched New Inc. in September of 2014. It occupies the second floor here um, in this building next door, um, 8,000 square feet. Um, and we'll soon be adding another 4,000 square feet, which is, I guess, you are 400 square meters. Um, on the fourth floor of the building, where we'll have a fabrication lab and production space, um, we currently have some basics, some 3D printers, a laser cutter, um, some stations for for soldering and making. But um, for the most part, it's um, you know office space, um, much like it is here, um, but much whiter, um, with some chrome accents. Um, and when we started uh, New Inc, it was you know the first museum-led incubator. Uh, we chose to focus on art, design, and technology, and I want to talk a little bit about why. Um, so New York. Uh, graduates more art and design students than any other US city. And uh, a survey that came out in 2014 um, saw that 88% of them who want to stay and and build their businesses and careers uh, in New York uh, felt like they didn't have the uh, adequate business and entrepreneurship skills in order to do so. And in the States, as you know, uh, we have quite a different um, arts patronage model than you guys do here. There's just much less public funding and support of the arts Um, and it really does require a kind of more um, enterprising approach, which is why platforms like Kickstarter have been so popular in the States and such an important way to finance projects and enable creative work to happen. Um, The other thing is kind of a broader uh, shift in the nature of work today. You know, we are seeing a move towards a freelance work culture, Um, not always for the right reasons. Sometimes it's because permanent jobs are disappearing and there is a kind of precarious nature of work that is emerging um, that is being sold to us as empowerment. You know, quit your day job, do what you love, uh, you know, set up your shop on Etsy, uh, you know, you can be a photographer, graphic designer, whatever, um, which is true to a point, but, um, you know, it also is kind of part of this macro trend that has many other factors. Um, and again you know in the creative industries uh, we're not always adequately prepared to take on uh, that entrepreneurial way of working that even as a freelancer knowing how to contract um, how to protect yourself legally financially um, is not something that we necessarily learned in school um, so we kind of saw this gap that existed you know as a cultural institution we were very familiar with artist residencies of course and the museum still runs artists residencies that are related to some of the exhibitions that we run. Um, But of course, uh, this creative industry space wasn't being served by that. Um, There were many co-working spaces proliferating around New York, as I'm sure there are here. Um, But again, they didn't have that kind of professional development, business training aspect um, that an incubator does. Um, Then there were kind of tech incubators, and I would actually argue that most of them are tech accelerators, who are designed to take a company Um, that is kind of nascent and really uh, help them grow rapidly. And they're designed to... to scale, to uh, attract investors, and provide exponential returns on those investments, so they're very much kind of venture capital oriented, um, whereas uh, historically incubators have actually been nonprofit organizations that are um, designed to help small business communities uh, stay alive and afloat in these very volatile first two years of their existence, um, and then th- there were uh, many kind of university media labs that were increasingly cross-disciplinary. Of course, MIT's Media Lab is maybe one of the most famous examples, and they refer to themselves as being anti-disciplinary. In New York, uh, we also have NYU's uh, Interactive Telecommunications Program, um, and some new programs that were being initiated by some of the other schools, like uh, the Parsons Transdisciplinary Design. Um, SVA, I think, has a a similar program. So these um, spaces were encouraging... uh, collaboration across disciplines as a way to foster new ideas, as a space that, um, quote unquote, breeds innovation. So all of this kind of informed our thinking about the kind of program that we wanted to build. Um, I wouldn't say that we are squarely situated in any of these uh, models, but we're kind of borrowing and adapting um, aspects of them to create something new that we felt was really missing from the community. So we started the space uh, in September of 2014. Uh, We had 40 full-time members start off with us, and initially 20 part-time members. Um, They're uh, a very versatile bunch. Um, They span a number of different industries, all kind of under this umbrella of art and design, with technology being a connective through line uh, among them. And uh, they range from individual teams to teams as large as four. Um, who are pursuing uh, everything from visual art to film, music, uh, dance, uh, fashion, graphic design, architecture, product design. Um, And I'll get into a little bit more of that in a bit. Um, We were able to build this space uh, because the New Museum's Board of Trustees uh, committed $2 million towards the capital campaign, towards renovating the building, building out the space. Um, And then after that, it was designed to be kind of self-sustaining. Uh, we assembled a really fantastic board of advisors uh, to help steer and guide this initiative. Uh, as a museum, of course, we didn't have much experience with incubators or, uh, you know, running this kind of professional development program. So we uh, called on some people like uh, Fred Dust, who's a partner at IDEO, Andy Weissman, who is uh, one of at one of the best uh, VC firms in the City Union Square Ventures, uh, Yancey Strickler, who's the CEO of Kickstarter, and uh, you know even some folks from our own staff like Lauren Cornell who leads art and technology initiatives at the museum um, to help uh, kind of direct this vision that we had. And these are some of the goals that we sort of set for ourselves. we wanted to first and foremost foster this kind of vibrant interdisciplinary community. Um, look at the way that creative practitioners were working in the city and how can we bring them together and connect them to each other, break through some of the silos that have historically existed, but increasingly these kind of, uh, lines were, were becoming more porous in a way. Um, we wanted to establish a new platform to support creative work, work that was, uh, too entrepreneurial for a typical artist residency, um, not necessarily work that uh, our curators would curate into exhibitions, but that we felt was uh, doing something interesting in the creative industries that we wanted to help uh, support and help develop further um, and get in front of an audience. Uh, We wanted to investigate new models for sustainable creative practice. Um, The digital era offers um, not only new tools for making, but also new ways of accessing audiences, of funding your project. Um, And uh, some of the existing business models maybe don't work as well, but then there are new models that are emerging, um, like, again, crowdfunding, that are allowing individuals and, and businesses to work in new ways, um, to explore new ideas at the intersection of culture and technology, um, expand our collaboration, uh, or expand our impact through collaborations with civic and industry partners. And we've done a couple of smaller collaborations with, um, say, companies like Microsoft Connect, uh, which is a... It's a tool from Microsoft um, that I'll talk about later that uh, many of our members were already using in their installations. I'm sure you guys are familiar with some of that Um, and see how they could support some of that work. And we're about to announce actually on Friday a new partnership with uh, Bell Labs, which is a very kind of important historic um, tech innovation lab uh, in New Jersey, that led some of the first art and technology collaborations in the 60s with their experiments in art and technology program. Um, And to also catalyze the growth and development of New York City's creative economy. Um, And that creative economy piece is one um, that is maybe most important and most unusual for a museum to look at. Um, What are, you know, the creative industries. Um, This is a snapshot that I got from uh, creative startups online. And uh, I would say that most of these, if not all of them, are represented in New Inc.'s community of members. Um, If not currently, at some point, we have had an individual or a company that is working in all of these sectors. Um, And why does it matter? Well, I mean, if you're talking to money people, you can uh, talk to them about facts and figures, um, but. This weekend I went to uh, Mona in uh, Tasmania, and uh, everyone I talked to talked about how important that museum has been for transforming that city and Tasmania um, as a whole. And you know, I think we can also see the effects that cultural institutions um, have towards uh, really transforming the cities that they uh, exist in and how it um, manifests in those communities in tangible and intangible ways. Um, And again, here in in Victoria, it sounds like you guys are very progressive in terms of arts funding in order to attract creative people to cities like Melbourne. Um, And so again, this is probably not uh, surprising to you, but um, I feel like, you know, the creative and the creative sector and the arts are often seen as, you know, this very cute thing that happens over here, but um, really measuring the economic impact of this work, I think, is uh, important. And finally, I think we also had this belief that... um, the innovation sector that uh, New York, at least, was was, uh, investing in attracting, attracting startups and technology companies to compete with Silicon Valley, um, wasn't the only space that could produce uh, innovation and new ideas. Um, And that, in fact, as one of our advisors likes to say, um, that engaging with culture, with the arts, with human experiences, is vital to uh, breeding innovation. Um, And so how do we, uh, on the one hand, facilitate that and foster that, but on the other hand also uh, champion it and really make that work visible um, in the community? So a little bit about the program, what it is that we actually do. New Inc. is a 12-month program. Um, It follows the kind of academic cycle. We start in September, we end in August. We have currently 40 full-time and 40 part-time members working in the space. They apply to be there, they're selected. It it is curated to be almost kind of like an ecosystem. We do think about how uh, do these uh, individuals and groups complement one another? What are the collaborations and the relationships that might form out of them uh, sitting in the same space and working within proximity of one another? How might they um, challenge each other's way of working and expose one another to new ways of thinking um, that they may not have been exposed to in other kind of more homogenized spaces. Um, we have two anchor tenants. Uh, one is Rhizome, which is a long-term uh, affiliate of the museum. They've been uh, affiliated since 2003, and they are a digital-born arts institution. They focus. Uh, they initially focused on internet-based art, um, and now they do a lot of work with digital preservation um, and kind of looking at digital culture and the arts more broadly. And are, our other anchor tenant is Columbia University's uh, Graduate School of Architecture, Planning, and Preservation, who run uh, a kind of incubator within our incubator where they've selected uh, 20 uh, students, or actually post so people who have graduated from the school, who are starting studios and businesses today to be at New Inc. as well. Um, Similar to ACME X, our members pay um, $600 a month for full-time or $350 a month for part-time, which is about equivalent to a fancy co-working space in uh, Lower Manhattan, but with the added benefit of this curriculum that we've been developing. Um, Members retain 100% of their intellectual property, um, and we we don't function as an accelerator, um, obviously, because we have on the one hand, this longer time frame, and on the other hand, because we're equally interested in nonprofit projects, in artistic projects, as we are in startups and in companies that are um, going to reach a mass consumer audience. Um, What we offer, weekly professional development programs, a mentorship program where we match each of our um, members with a dedicated mentor, Um, some shared equipment and resources which we're currently in the process of expanding, Um, office hours with new Inc. staff and new museum staff, as well as outside experts who we invite in um, to talk about everything from uh, legal questions to insurance to marketing and branding and storytelling to grant writing uh, Um, any kind of topic that we see a large number of the community is uh, needing some guidance in. And we have a team of five support staff and are growing. Um, We just started our third year uh, in September and this is kind of a quick snapshot of the composition of our community. Um, We have individual artists and creative practitioners who are doing work that is not commercial, but has a kind of business administrative challenge. And I'll give an example of that later. Um, And you know, they need to figure out how to finance it, how to market it, how to brand it, how to uh, potentially travel it and get it out into the world. Um, There's design studios. um, And these are folks who uh, work with clients. um, So they do uh, client Commissions, um, but oftentimes this is a way of subsidizing their own self directed creative work um, that they want to be doing, um, but you know, hasn't really developed a full um, market for, and so they're kind of juggling um, and trying to figure out how to do more of the work that they want while uh, using their very valuable skills to make a living. Um, then we have uh, startups that are building digital or physical products, um, all kind of again rooted in the Creative industries, and I'll show a few examples. Um, And this year, uh, more nonprofits than we've ever had, and we're actually seeing more and more nonprofits apply. And I would also put kind of social enterprise um, projects in that bucket as well. We've been really interested in diversity. Um, As an interdisciplinary space, I would argue that kind of cognitive diversity has been part of our focus since the beginning. Uh, We really wanted to bring all of these skills together um, out of this sort of hypothesis that they will breed new ideas um, through that kind of creative collision. Um, But we also, have taken a long hard look at what is the representation of women of people of color in our community as well because um, both the tech sector and the arts quite frankly are notoriously very white and very male dominated so we wanted to make sure that we weren't replicating those same biases in our program. Um, You know over the past three years we've you know increased the caliber of applicants and hope to continue to do so Um, and we've also increased the number of financial assistance that we're able to provide Um, because although, again, our space is designed to be self-sustaining through the membership fees that I mentioned, we want to also make sure that uh, people who have great ideas are not precluded from participating in the program because of uh, their financial situation. Um, Here are some of the themes that, you know, if if I had to categorize that we're seeing in New Inc. Some of these we... um, articulated as uh, areas of focus that we wanted to see applications from. So artificial intelligence was one that we knew was an area that we really wanted to explore, and we were looking at applications, uh, highlighting that theme specifically. Um, Others have kind of emerged... one that I think is not listed here, but is a kind of sub-theme, is we have uh, three projects that are addressing disability this year. And this was, again, something that we didn't expect, but came out of the applicant pool. Um, and I'll talk about uh, two of them later on. Um the space is designed to be very collaborative. Um, all of the workshops really focus on small group work and peer-to-peer mentorship whenever possible because, as you can imagine, um, they're all kind of going through the same process. Even though their uh, businesses and their needs and their ideas and their areas of focus are quite different, the process is very much the same. You're trying to figure out you know, your mission and vision, um, what it is that you're trying to do and the communities that you're targeting? Um, What is the financial model that enables this work to happen in the world? Um, How do you access the resources that you need uh, to make that work possible? And then how do you talk about this work? How do you reach your audience? Um, So the, the components, I think, really translate across sectors. And that's been one of the things that we've been focused on refining with the professional development program is how do we translate? Um, between this kind of nonprofit uh, way of thinking and working to uh, the sort of business school curriculum of lean startup methodology, there are things that are valuable about that methodology that do work, um, but are often alienating to the artists in the cohort who are like, what's an MVP? Why do I care? You know, what does this mean to me? Um and so we've been uh, iterating on the program design, I think, more than anything else, trying to figure out how to straddle this line between creative practice and kind of good business sense uh, in, in a space that is as kind of diverse as ours. And this is what a sample month might look like. Um, these things, status sessions at the top, um, they're kind of monthly check-ins that we do with our community um, to create Uh, kind of peer accountability, but also peer uh, mentorship. And so out of that, oftentimes collaboration occurs when people find that they have similar challenges that they're trying to uh, circumvent. And uh, also the staff is kind of very much in tune with what people's needs and challenges are so that we can address them through the programming in the following month Um, or through office hours and things like that. Um, we do uh, two demo days every year. Um, these are kind of public presen- uh, presentations. They're not entirely public because the audience is very much um, curated it's selected based on who we think our members are going to benefit by connecting with and sometimes those are uh, venture capitalists but other times they're curators, they're creative directors, they're um, other uh, arts funders Um, so the mixture of all of those is typically in the room Um, and we do this at the midway point so we have one coming up at the end of January and then Uh, at the end of the year as well. We've also done showcases um, for some of the projects that are experiential, that are more on the art side, that are interactive, um, that are performative. Uh, We stage a showcase at the end of the year that presents these projects. These are some of my favorites from our first year. Um, What was great about this first year, too, is that all of the projects were collaborations. So we developed uh, eight new interactive installations, um, all of which were the result of collaborations of relationships that came about through the New Ink program Um, and many of them have uh, gone on to to travel and continue Um, and will be working with uh, this artist Gwen as part of the Bell Labs uh, project as well Um, Virtual reality has kind of emerged as a big focus for many of our uh, members over the past two years. I know it is here as well. So we have uh, started a virtual reality conference and festival that we do um, once a year with our partners, Kill Screen, and that's coming up at the end of February. Um... And yeah, we're kind of learning as we go, and so many of these things are responding to the things that we see happening within our community and within the broader uh, New York City creative uh, scene at large. Um, A couple of examples of projects from New Ink over the past uh, two and a half years now. Um, First, some kind of stats. I would say that this is not the only way that we measure success, but uh, this is one of the things that uh, certainly you know, the city likes to see. Um, how many ventures have you incubated? How many jobs have you created? Uh, how much money did they raise? Um, I'm more interested in the intangibles, the relationships that are formed within the community, and how the um, network effect of New Inc as a space creates greater resilience and sort of strengthens these projects moving forward um, because of the connections that they've forged. Um, but, you know, this is nice to be able to show uh, to the local economic development corporation. Um this is a project uh, called Depth Kit um, that was part of our first year. Um, and I really love this project because it uh, speaks to something that I like to term like the artist as inventor. Um, this team was a team of uh, filmmakers and visual artists, uh, very proficient in software and, and uh, working with uh, open source um, coding frameworks like Open Frameworks. Um, and they created this tool by essentially hacking together a Microsoft Kinect and a standard uh, Canon SLR camera to create this volumetric filmmaking technique. Um, And they did it for themselves. They shot a documentary uh, in this format called Clouds, which was all about the creative coding community, and this was a really great sort of visual style to do that documentary in. but when they released this tool, open source, they found that there was a much bigger audience and demand for this than they anticipated. Um, it was being used for everything from uh, VR porn to uh, m M&M and music videos. m um, and M&M, the music artist, not the candy. Um, and uh, the visual effects industry, especially uh, because of this heightened interest in virtual and augmented reality, really wanted a professional version of this tool. And so the studio, these two guys, um, they, you know, did Uh, creative projects and were trying to develop an artistic uh, practice, um, and they were getting commissions, and yeah, but then this kind of emerged as a potential business that they didn't anticipate, and they were kind of exploring whether it was something that they wanted to pursue um, while they were at New Inc. Um, Interestingly enough, at the end of the year, they decided that they were not going to build a business on it, Um, and then six months later, they came back and said, actually we've, we've thought about it and we really like the idea of, you know, making a tool and we are going to, uh, raise venture capital and can you connect us to some people? Um, and they just finished raising, uh, a $1 million round. Um, another example of an artist who created a tool, um, out of his own kind of need is, uh, Kevin McCoy, he's a visual artist who's been working with his partner, Jennifer, for I'd say about the past 20 years. And their work is you know, in the collections of the Guggenheim and the Whitney. Um, and uh, at Rhizome, our partner organization, at their conference, Seven on Seven, where they pair seven artists and seven technologists um, and ask them to collaborate, he came up with this project called Monograph, um, which is essentially kind of a, a digital licensing tool that allows creators to dictate licensing, but it um, tracks this on the blockchain, um, which is uh, essentially that kind of cryptocurrency backend end that uh, things like Bitcoin use. Um, this is a, a fashion platform called Print All Over Me. Um, it's a platform, essentially, where you can go and upload any image, either one that you yourself created or something that you found online, to create custom garments. Um, They have all kinds of different silhouettes. I think last I checked, over a 100 different designs. They're now experimenting with uh, home goods and furniture as well. Um, And you can essentially create these beautiful pieces um, on fabrics as diverse as silk to canvas um, that are uh, of your own creation. And then I can can go online and I can find your piece and I can buy it, and when I do, you get 20% of the profits. Um, this uh, brother and sister duo is incredibly innovative and creative, and uh, they were with us at New Inc. for two years, um, and in their second year, these overachievers developed a whole new company um, called Cocoa, which is essentially a tool uh, in your browser for creating 3D environments. Um, the barriers to entry for uh, making work in virtual reality and augmented reality are still very high. Um, you need to be able to you know, create 3D models to program in something like Unity or Unreal. And uh, it just takes a very long time and it's not incredibly accessible. So they created essentially a drag and drop interface that allows you very quickly to kind of uh, sketch a 3D environment and then be able to look at it uh, either in your browser or using Google Cardboard in your phone. Um, or even imported into an Oculus Rift. Again, VR, uh, this is a project called Giant. Uh, it's a new content studio um, that launched at New Ink last year. Um, this was from their presentation at Sundance, where they were kind of the bell of the ball at the Sundance New Frontier. Um, and they'll be actually going back there again this year with their new project called Tree. Um, and this was a really great story. Uh, that is based on the director's personal experience growing up in uh, war-torn Serbia. Um, This is a visual artist, Rachel Rawson, who is also working in VR, but taking a very different approach. Um, She is an oil painter, as you can see in the paintings, Behind this gentleman, um, but is also a coder and a gamer. She's been gaming and coding since she was 12. Um, she's really interested in VR as well and uh, essentially created these in plain air paintings um, by using photogrammetry to c- scan uh, physical environments, uh, manipulate those environments in the game engine Unity, and then paint from those kind of distorted environments to create. The paintings back there. Um, And so she's actually someone that uh, our curator, Lauren Cornell, has commissioned uh, as one of a series of VR commissions that we have coming out next year. Um, There are several also interactive design studios that were based at New Inc. Uh, This is one from our first year, Dave and Gabe. Uh, This is a sound uh, installation. They're very much interested in. 360 sound and, and uh, interactive sound experiences. This was uh, at South by Southwest last year. And uh, they're, they've just blown up. They literally quit their day jobs a week before joining New Inc. Dave was at Arup. Gabe was a producer working with the Criterion Collection and with local bands. And they banded together to start the studio. And uh, they've They're supposed to break a million dollars in billings this year, and uh, this summer they won two Can Lions for one of their previous projects. Um, This is a musical instrument called Artifon. It is a digital musical instrument that you can play uh, as many other instruments. You can play it as a guitar, as a violin, as a piano, as a drum pad. Um, And it raised uh, initially $1.3 million on Kickstarter um, and is now uh, at a point where it is uh, arriving into stores and uh, it's being currently carried at the MoMA Design Store and at the New Museum's own store, as well as sold online. Um, This is a new project for us uh, this year. It's called Micro Museums. They're miniature science museums, and I am also quite tickled at the idea that we are a museum-led incubator incubating miniature museums. Um, And essentially, they want to take these uh, miniature science museums and bring them to outer borough schools that maybe don't have as ready access to um, these types of institutions, Um, but also, to uh, places like the DMV, or hospital waiting rooms, um, spaces that they've termed as dehumanized zones um, to really kind of enliven and, and enrich these spaces. Um, and this is serious work. Uh, it has 15 exhibits. Um, this first one is the smallest mollusk museum. And they worked with 35 different scientists to create uh, this uh, museum, as well as a uh, four-week uh, science curriculum that that accompanies it um, that could go into schools. Um, Education is, again, a theme for us this year. This is another project called Power Plant, which is a digital arts school located in a um, kind of an urban environment uh, where the kids don't have a lot of access to arts education. And they're essentially teaching them digital art skills like After Effects uh, and uh, coding and Unity, which have a high value on the market, but can also be used for creative expression. Um, This is a dancer um, at New Inc. right now. Her name is Alice Shepard. She is a wheelchair-based dancer. And she's working on a project right now, which is twofold. On the one hand, she's developing this system of ramps that she wants to install in public spaces to really challenge the way that we think about the aesthetics of disability. Um, And on the other hand, she's also working with a dance collective to develop a performance piece using these ramps to explore new forms of movement and mobility. Um, And at New Inc., she's kind of developing the administrative side of this work, you know, how to tour it, how to finance it, how to get uh, funding and support for it. Um, And that's one of my favorite projects this year. And last but certainly not least, um, this is a design project that again is also addressing disability, um, they're redesigning braille um, to make it more uh, legible and easier to read. Apparently, I want to say something like 90% of people who are visually impaired um, actually can't read Braille. And most of them used to be able to see. And they lost uh, their sight at a later point in time. And many of them have partial sight. Um, but the Braille system, um, you know, the abstract dots, are notoriously difficult to learn and read. Because when you string them together in a sentence, it becomes really difficult to differentiate letter forms. And so they developed this new uh, style that uh, takes someone three months to learn as opposed to the 12 months plus that it might take someone to learn um, traditional Braille. And... um, Currently, they're working with Hewlett-Packard to develop a printer to disseminate this new uh, braille design into uh, schools, but also into workplaces and other environments. Um, And so our kind of focus is on how do we uh, reimagine the incubator model, which, especially in the States, is very closely associated with uh, venture capital, with um, that kind of Silicon Valley style of working, um, but really kind of bring it back to its original roots as being about, you know, economic vitality, supporting small businesses, um, and also to foster cultural value and not just capital value, um, and that's uh, what we're up to. Nice. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For
0: more recordings, go to soundcloudcom online or the Acme website.